I wonder how many of us have ever said at some point, in hindsight, I should have done this or that. Or in hindsight, I wish I didn't do this. Or as we often say, hindsight is 2020. But before I go any further with this, uh, we have wonderful young students with us here. I want to define hindsight for them just in case they don't know. But hindsight is the ability to see things clearly after they happen. To see things clearly after they happen. Now, it's the opposite of foresight. Because foresight is the ability to see things before they happen. Just about all of us are good at hindsight. Because we see it. Very few of us have foresight. Someone was describing another person and he said uh, of him, he said, uh, he can only predict things after they happen. <laughs> Some of you have known people in meetings or in discussions where a serious discussion about a project or some venture that could be take place, and, 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 and that person stays quiet, never says a word, is silent, contribute nothing to the discussion, but as soon as the project fails, he says, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was going to fail. <laughs> now, I can tell you this as a man who has made his fair share of mistakes. Only God in heaven knows about my failures. I was taught by my heavenly Father not to live in regret. Now, there are some people who spend their lives in regret. There are some people who are constantly beating themselves up after every failure. They're constantly second-guessing themselves after every decision. And just as an aside, Himrat, please, when you experience failure, you must get up, dust yourself off, confess to the Lord, repent, ask for His forgiveness, and move forward. Can I get an amen? amen. I remember one time my son-in-law asked me a question several years ago, he said, if you have to redo it all over again, what would you change? Without a moment of hesitation, I said, nothing. I would change nothing. The dark days, the difficult days, the painful days, the joyful days, I would change nothing. And then I caught myself, I said, maybe I would be less intense. I know some of you are saying, you are more intense than you are now? Yeah, <laughs> you should have seen me when I was younger. Listen to me, please. If I prayed about something, if I prayed about a matter, and if they sought the guidance and the wisdom of wise people, and then I move forward with that, but sometimes, as often happens, things don't work out the way I thought they would work out, or I believe they're going to work out. I ask the Lord to overrule my failures and to strengthen me for the next step. Listen to me. There is 
a far better way to deal with hindsight than regret. Regret. If you do it, just do it for a few seconds, okay? <laughs> but then move on. Learn from it. Be strengthened by it. Let it be your stepping stone, not your hindering stone. Let it be your stepping stone to moving onward and upward. Can I get an amen? amen. And I believe that's exactly what the psalmist, King David, is saying about hindsight in the second half of Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Turn to it, please. And if you don't have your own Bible, the Pew Bible, page 876. In the last message, we looked at the first half of Psalm 37. If you want here, download it, because they really go together. But because this is so long, I broke them into two. As you're finding the psalm in your Bibles. I want to tell you that back in the early 80s, when I was uh, heading a ministry that literally took me around the world several times a year, literally, I, I can't remember how many times I circled the globe. And, 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 and when you're going around the world uh, speaking in different countries, I basically had six sermons Six talks that I just gave them all over the place. Every, I repeated them. Thankful, I am really thankful to the Lord that I have this consistent preaching ministry for 36 years because every week the Lord gives me a fresh word <laughs> to bring to you. But when I was going around the world, I had those messages and now preach them in different situations, different times, and I must have preached verses uh, 23 and 24 of Psalm 37. I must repeat at least 20 times. Uh, so much so that my eldest daughter, when she was seven, she memorized the verses because she heard it three or four times as we traveled around the world. And the title of my sermon was, Do Not Be Afraid of Failure. Do Not Be Afraid of Failure. I remember once in 1986, I preached this message in a Christian college in Seoul, Korea. And when I finished preaching, they gave me about five minutes sustained ovation. I was absolutely convinced that the interpreter was preaching something different from what I said. <laughs> so I asked a friend of mine who was my host and a, a president of another uni university, and I said, did he interpret what I said about failure? He said, yes. You see, I would share for my own life and all the failures I've experienced in my life. Some of you have read those in my book, Trust and Obey. Here's the bottom line. Back then, I used to use the old translation. I still memorized it to this day. I'm going to read the modern translation in a minute. The steps of the godly man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast out, for the Lord upholds him with his own hand. Now let me read it from the NIV. You got the psalm in front of you. Verse 23 to the end. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. 
Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his own hand. I was young, and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good, then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart, his feet. Do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when, the, when they're brought to trial. Wait for the Lord, and he will keep his way. <clears throat> Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you and in, <clears throat> to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree or a flower in its native soil. But he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for a man of peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. Father, may the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be now pleasing to you, acceptable to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the last message, the first half of the psalm, I pointed to you that this is one of the later psalms toward the end of David's life. And this old King David now is giving us very wise counsel in this psalm. And he said, don't judge situations the way they appear to be. Don't judge them as the way they appear to be. And that is why he said three times in those few verses, fret not, fret not, fret not of evildoers. Even when you see them appear to be having the upper hand, they really don't. Why? Because we, as we saw in the last message, because of what you cannot see and because of what you have and because of what is coming to you, 
and fourthly because of the coming judgment on these same wicked, evil people. And so here in the second half of Psalm 37, he is saying, learn from my experience. Learn from my experience. Learn from my hindsight. Uh, benefit from it. Benefit from the lessons of my past failures. Uh, take to heart my experience of sin and suffering and the consequences of my sin and the way I repented of my sins. Learn from the consequences of my wrong decisions so that you might not repeat them. Learn from me the futility of worrying and anxiousness and be encouraged. Now, I want to prove to you that I am inconsistent. That's really probably my middle name. That I show you four things last message. I'm going to show you only three today. I don't keep up the, the kind of uh, tradition. I change it. As that friend of mine used to say, I keep my mind clean by changing it all the time. <laughs> the three encouraging lessons from hindsight here. And they are as follows. First encouraging lessons is this. God will never, ever, ever forsake his faithful children. Verses 23 to 26. Secondly, God, the second encouraging lesson, God will, God's will for you and for me, God's will is the best thing for you. It's the best thing for me. Verses 27 to 34. And the third encouraging lesson from hindsight is that God is truly honored when you trust Him, when you fully trust Him, when you completely trust Him, when you trust Him even when you don't understand things. This is verse 35 to 40. So let's look at this very, very quickly. The first encouraging lesson is that God will never forsake His faithful children. He will never forsake His faithful children. As King David reflects on the faithfulness of God in his life and how faithful God is even in the times when he lied, when he hid, when he ran away, and he reflects on the faithfulness of God throughout the ups and the downs of life, throughout the, the dark days and the sunny days of his life, throughout the painful times and the joyful times in his life. He basically says that just as a father could never disown his child, God our Father will never disown his faithful children, his real children. And the reason emphasis here is on real, because listen to me, there are so many goats in the churches, but they think they're sheep. That is why Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And that's why he said, if you love me, you obey me. If you want to know if you belong to Jesus or you don't, if you're a real disciple or you're not, is do you obey his word? I know as earthly fathers can never disown their children. I know as a father of four, they're mine no matter what. They have our blood. They have our genes. And nothing will change that. 
even if a child disgraces his family, they will never cease to being their father's and mother's children. So in a far, far, far greater way, listen to me, God, those whom God calls, those whom God has chosen, those whom God adopted as His children, they have their Father's heavenly blood flowing through them. They have their Father's heavenly genes in their, in their system. Or to be sure, a heavenly Father often convicts us, a heavenly Father out of love, He can rebuke us out of love. He disciplines us, but He'll never reject us. And yet David is saying more than that to us in the New Testament today, that the steps of the faithful child of God who has received Jesus as their only Savior and the Lord of their life, their steps are guided by God. Though they may miserably fail at times, he or she will not be disowned by the Heavenly Father. They will never be thrown out of his house unless they choose to leave the house. Why? Because they are held in his hand. In his hand. Question, how does this work in the New Testament? How does this work in the New Testament? Let me tell you the obvious, okay? I want to tell you the obvious. If you're listening to me, say amen. amen. Remember when you first gave your life to the Lord? I pray that some people today will give their life to the Lord and go through that experience, a marvelous experience. You know, when you surrendered your life to Him for the first time, when you asked for His forgiveness and the healing and the forgiveness came into your life like a river, like a stream. Remember how excited you were? Remember how joyful you were? Remember how in love with Jesus you became? Remember how grateful you were to Him? Remember how you wanted to tell everybody about the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ? Remember how you were so devouring the Word of God and you couldn't get enough of the Word of God? How you prayed before every decision. Remember that? And I, when I was converted in 1964, the whole town knew it. <laughs> but what happens, just as in the physical realm we go from being toddlers to being adolescents, spiritually works the same. We go from being spiritual toddlers to being spiritual adolescents. Well... <laughs> What happens when you become a spiritual adolescent? Like the physical adolescent, you come to the point of thinking that you know everything to be known about God. Hello? You get to the point of thinking that you know everything about the Bible. That you know everything, right? Now, listen to me. Adolescents, listen, are you listening to me? This is not a put down. This is just a fact of life. <laughs> I'm just so thankful that none of you have known me in my adolescent years. <laughs> I mean, I hate it for you to know. One of my children 20 years ago went and 
and snookered my older brother. He just tricked him, and he got a lot of information that he should never had. <laughs> so what happens in our spiritual adolescence comes a decision moment in our life. You seek the Lord as you've done when you were a spiritual toddler, and you give him 24 hours to respond. He doesn't respond. He doesn't respond fast enough for you. And like you used to when you were a spiritual toddler, now that you are growing and that you are becoming closer to being an, a, a spiritually mature. Now, whether his delay in response is to teach us lessons, or whether his delay is to teach us to wait, or, 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 or teach us to trust him, or all of the above. We don't know. All you know is that you are not getting the answers like you had in the past. So what do you do? You become impatient, and you weigh your options, and you make the wrong choices. Hello. Am I the only one who's been there? <laughs> and then you fail. And you get splattered all over the place. Oh my goodness, how many times did I get splattered all over the place? And when you're down, there are myriads of voices going through your head. Myriad of voices. You can blame God for your failures, as I have done. Or you can be angry at yourself for not waiting, or you can become discouraged. At that point, there is a huge temptation to stay down there. Huge temptation to stay in that miserable situation. That temptation, listen to me, listen. That temptation, oh my goodness, is very easy to fall into. And the enemy begins to whisper in your ear. You've blown it. It's over, all over. There's no hope. Satan will tell you that you'll never be a role model again because of your failure. Meanwhile, what, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? I've got you. I've got you in my hand. You're mine. I'm upholding you with my hand. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I want you to learn from this failure to help you grow in my walk with me. You are mine and nothing is going to change that. I'll never desert you or disown you. Repent and seek my face and my forgiveness and I will give it to you. You don't want to praise the Lord? Well, some of you are. <laughs> this wise old man, David, actually when I was reflecting on this, <laughs> David probably was younger than me. <laughs> he was younger than me when he died. And so listen to this old man. <laughs> Who takes you, tells you what the Word of God says? David, who has been through the ringer, you know what I'm talking about? He's been through the ringer in his life. And if you read his life, you'll understand. I've preached a whole series on David. And he's saying, the steps of the man or woman of God 
are ordered by the Lord, though he or she may fail, will never be thrown out. Why? Because the Lord himself upholds him with his own hand. Listen to what Jesus said about this. In John chapter 6, verses 37 and 39 specifically, John 6, here's what Jesus said. All, how many? Whom the Father gives me will come to me. And whosoever comes to me, I will never, no, never, never, never drive away. Verse 39 of John 6. And this is the will of whom he sent me. Who sent him? Who sent him? Who sent him? This is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of what he has given me, but shall raise them up on the last day. Amen belongs here. Listen to me. If David is saying anything for us today, listen to me, listen to me. I've seen discouraged believers all over this country. If he's saying anything to us, he's saying the first encouraging lesson is God will never ever throw you away. He will never throw away his real children, his real children, especially when they repent. Why do I say this? Why do I say this? Because the willingness to confess, the willingness to repent, I even go further than just willingness, the eagerness to confess and repent is an indication whether you are his child or not. A lot of people claim, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and, he, and, 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 and Jesus said that the, the wheat and the tail will grow together. Only he knows the wheat. And you know. Then he goes on to say, I've been young and experienced all the things that young people have experienced. And now I'm old. I'm experiencing everything an old person experiences. But through it all, through it all, say it with me, through it all, in the times when I thought the Lord will not hear me, will not save me, will not deliver me, through it all, when I thought that the Lord just had enough of me, when I thought that the Lord had enough of my failures, that the Lord had enough of, of me and my failings, Every time I repent, He forgives me. Every time I repent, He restores me to greater height. Listen, David is saying that throughout the years, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. Beloved, please listen to me. God is not only faithful to His faithful children, but to their children and their children's children. Amen. Even if it does not appear to be so, appearance has nothing to do with it. There's a marvelous story in 2 Kings chapter 4. Always gets to me. There was a faithful man of God who died and left 
his widow and kids, boys, destitute, in debt. And they were in dire straits. So the widow goes to the prophet Elisha. And she says to the prophet Elisha, she said, you know, you, obviously he knew her husband, her late husband. She said, you know that my husband was faithful to the Lord. He was faithful servant of the Lord. Now, I'm in deep trouble. I could lose my boys into slavery. The debtors are coming and knocking on my door. Elisha asked her a curious question. He said, what do you have in your house? What? What a curious question. What do you have in your house? Well, nothing. Well, then, well wait a minute. Uh, there is a drop, a drop. You know what I mean? A drop of oil. He said, great. Go out and borrow as many barrels, empty barrels as you can. What? Why? Because God is going to turn that drop of oil into an oil factory. <laughs> Please hear me right. This is important. If you have never risked anything in faith, if you have never risked anything anchoring on the promise of God, you, have miss, you are missing out on one of the greatest blessings, the greatest blessing that you can experience in this lifetime. So the first lesson of hindsight, and I'll spend a lot of more time on it because it's important, that God will never forsake His faithful children. Second encouraging lesson is that God's will, God's will is the best for you. God's will for you is the best. Hmm. Michael, even in the times when I don't think so, read my lips. Yes. Michael, even in the times when I think that God's will for me stinks, read my lips again. Yes. Even in the times when I don't feel particularly blessed, yes, listen, there is no doubt that Job wondered at times, doubted at times, questioned at times, but ultimately he could say, here's a Yusuf translation, your will is just too wonderful for me to comprehend. David experienced the same thing, the same thing. David has experienced the temptation of questioning the will of God for him. Probably sitting in one of those caves, or even when he escaped into the land of the Philistines, pretended to be a madman. I mean, we think of all these things that he did, the antics that he got up to. <laughs> and he questioned the will of God for him. But he also knew, listen to me, he also knew, because that affects everyone at the sound of my voice. He also knew that we all prone to fall in the temptation of thinking that we know best, right? We know best of what's good for us. David understood our vulnerability, all of us, to the thought that we know better than God what is good for us. Verse 27. 
Depart from evil and do good. What is that evil he's talking about here? What is that evil? What is that evil? It's the evil of falsely accusing God of not caring for you. It is the evil of falsely accusing God when he does not give you what you want. It is the evil of hardening your heart toward God because he did not give you what you want. The evil of anger toward God because of the things you don't understand. He says, depart from that evil. Why? Verse 28. God does not forsake the godly. He never will. God promised to forever watch over the godly. God promised that the faithful will have a fantastic inheritance. Let me testify to you. I always testify to my own shame and to God's glory. Back in 1967, remember 67? I'm looking at you and I think most of you were not born then. I'm not flattering you, I just, that's my guess. 1967, knowing full will that God called me to preach, that God called me to serve him, that my mother risked her life to have me and not go through the abortion that the doctors had recommended. Knowing all of that in my head, when the door closed, I ended up doing what I thought is good for me, the best for me. I enrolled in an Air Force Academy. I can serve God anywhere, right? And I know many of you in profession and work, homemakers, you're serving the Lord. I know that. But that was not for me. I didn't want to be a preacher. Trust me. Those days, I would do anything but be a preacher. And so I enrolled. There were 2,000 cadets. Out of the 2,000, the 1% of them are Christians. This is the reverse of affirmative action. Don't tell me I don't understand discrimination. Don't tell me I don't understand persecution. This victimhood in America has got to stop. So when I got accepted as part of the 1%, I said, great, I got away with it. I got away with it. Then I went to my hometown and waited for a registered letter that was to be sent to all the cadets. I waited, nothing happened. I waited some more and nothing happened. Then I waited some more and nothing happened. Finally, through a family friend who was a colonel general, I forgot what... Uh, how many stars he got on his shoulders. And, uh, but through his good offices, he took me by the hand and went in there to the administration of the academy to find out what happened. Out of the 2,000 letters, registered letters, they didn't have FedEx back then, 2,000 registered letters, one was lost in the mail. <laughs> Guess whose letter that was? But listen, here's my shame. 
I become angry with God. I said things that have never left my lips again, ever. Beloved, listen to me. I'm telling you this almost 60 years ago. And here we are 60 years later. Almost 60 years, not quite. Because of the height of foolishness on my part. Of thinking that I know best for my life. Here I am, nearly 60 years later. I thank God every single day that this letter was lost in the mail. <laughs> Probably I wouldn't be alive today. First encouraging lesson from hindsight is that God never forsake his own faithful children. Second encouraging lesson of hindsight is that God's will is perfect for you. And the third one is actually naturally follows from that. The third encouraging lesson from hindsight is that God is honored. God is honored when you fully trust Him. When you fully trust Him. You know, I hear people sometimes say, I want to honor the Lord. I want to honor the Lord. Well, do you know that the greatest honor that you can bestow upon the Lord is that you fully trust Him? Not just trust in Him, but trust Him and trust His, His Word. Yes, even when He delays. Yes, even when He allows inexplicable things happen. Yes, even when His timing does not match your timing. Even when you suffer and the wicked prosper, as we're seeing in our day, even when you see the wicked succeed, as we're seeing in our day, even when you see falsehood is rampant, as we see in our day, even when you see immorality is being praised in public, as we see in our day, even when you see deceitful people appear to have the upper hand, even when you see corrupt and lying people appear to get away with it. Don't ever be tempted of thinking that they have the last word. Are you with me? Yes. Are you with me? Yes. No, 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 no. God will have the last word. Say it with me. God. You know, in Psalm 1, the word of God says, the righteous is like a tree, probably oak tree. Has planted where the water runs freely and constantly flourishing, constantly receiving nutrients. The tree may not look all that attractive. It may not look great like a flower does. It may not look beautiful like a flower does. The flower is the wicked, is the evil one. And the flower looks beautiful, right? The flower looks pretty. The flower is easy on the eye. <laughs> the flower is colorful, but in a short period of time, it's dead, dead, dead. While the tree continues flourishing all the way to eternity. Verses 37 and 38. The faithful at peace, no matter what. The faithful is at peace 
regardless of the circumstances. Verse 39, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Where is salvation? That means it is permanent. It is permanent. Those of you who have been here for a long time, you know, I often tell you this. God does not write your name in the book of life with a pencil. And every time you mess up, he turns it upside down and the eraser, he erases your name. And then when you repent, he puts it back again. No, no, no. Your name is written in the book of life with the blood of Jesus. Verse 40, the Lord will, the Lord what? Will. Not may or possibly, He will deliver them from the wicked. Why? Because they're nice people? No, 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 no. Because they're church people? No. Because they trusted Him. Honoring God is trusting Him. And trusting Him honors Him more than anything else. God said this. God says this. Those who honor me, I shall honor, says the Lord. Father, I don't know who's watching and even who's here, but you do. I pray for that individual who may have heard the gospel for the first time, that Jesus loves them and wants them to turn to him. There are others who know you, who love you, and who trusted you, but they're going through a tough time right now and having difficulty trusting. There are others who are waiting for your return with abated breath. You know them all. I pray for them all that you, Holy Spirit, come and meet us at our very point of need where we are. And Jesus, thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to guide us, to lead us, to convict us, and to forgive us. Forgive us for the time when we grieved the Holy Spirit, when we quenched the Holy Spirit by our disobedience. We ask you to make us more sensitive, even as we see the days draw near to an end. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord.